There's a story that's taken from Max Lucado's book, uh, the In the Eye of the Storm. And it's a, it's a story about a man named Frank Koch who uh, illustrates the importance of obeying the laws of the lighthouse. And he says, as I may quote from this excerpt here, he says, two battleships assigned to the training squadron had been at sea on maneuvers in heavy weather for several days. I was serving on the lead battleship and was on watch on the bridge as night fell. The visibility was poor with patchy fog. So the captain remained on the bridge keeping an eye on, on all the activities. Well, shortly after dark, the lookout on the wing reported, light bearing on the starboard bow. And the captain called out, is it steady or moving astern? The lookout replied, steady captain, which meant that we were on a dangerous collision course with that ship. Well, the captain then called to the signalman, signal that ship and tell them, we're on a collision course and advise that you change course 20 degrees. And the replying signal was, advisable for you to change course 20 degrees. The captain said, tell them I'm a captain, change course 20 degrees. I'm a seaman second class, came the reply. You had better change course 20 degrees. By that time, the captain was furious. He spat out, tell him I'm a battleship, change course 20 degrees. Back came the flashing light. I'm a lighthouse. We change course. You know, oftentimes in the religious world, people just aren't satisfied with surrendering themselves and their will wholly unto God. You know, they convince themselves that a slight variation off course, a variation maybe only of 20 degrees, really wouldn't matter to them or to anybody. What they don't understand is that our God is steadfast and He is unchangeable. And like that lighthouse, He will tell us where to go, but He Himself will not move. We are the ones who are in need to be guided. Well, like that ship upon the stormy sea, we as humans are certainly are in need of guidance in life. We need help deciphering right from wrong, and we must be shown the course to follow if we plan to land safely on the far off shore, and we must make certain that our actions and decisions are guided by one who actually knows how to get us there. Well, in this study this afternoon, we're going to, first of all, take a look at why all true religious, religious authority comes from the Almighty God. And then secondly, this afternoon, we're going to take a look at various ways in which God's will is made known unto mankind. And then thirdly, this afternoon, we're going to take a look at some few practical applications, of which hits just a little bit closer to home. And so, let's begin about all true religious, religious authority originating and coming from the Almighty God. And the first reason that all true religious authority comes from God is because of the principle of ownership. The principle of ownership. Now, when you think about it, everything that you can think of, everything in this universe, especially the church, it belongs to God. And that alone demands our obedience. You know, you look at several verses that explain this one thing and this one thought. You look at what, what Luke wrote in Acts 17 and 24. God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth. You also look back to the Old Testament in 1 Chronicles 29 and 11. 
It says there, declaring this about God's ownership, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power and the glory, the victory and the majesty, for all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Even another verse, as we skip on back to Acts, to the book of Acts, particularly chapter 20, verse 28, it also says, at the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. And so we see all these things about the ownership of God. He owns everything. Well, to practice things not authorized by God is to fail to honor our head and our owner. Now, let's use an illustration about our own property. You know, no one has the right to use your property without your permission. And it's because it violates the principle of ownership. Now, for example, no one can use your car without you telling him, okay, you could use my car. Now, even then, even if you give someone permission to use your car, maybe you say you could use my car, but you can only use it to go down to the store. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that they have authority or permission to take it all over town or do whatever they want to with your car because you've set a limit to allowing them to use part of your property. And so, likewise, if we belong to God, and specifically the church belong to Jesus, then right, what right do people have choosing to practice things that are different from what the owner has already chosen for them to be practiced? What right do men have making rules for the church or authorizing practices that are not included in what God has already authorized? Well, God does not have to specifically say not to do certain things because all of such things are wrong simply because they violate the principle of ownership. And the fact of the matter is, no one has the right to use God's property without His own permission. And we get His permission in His own word. Now, moving on to the second principle and the second reason that all true religious authority comes from God is because of the principle of wisdom. Now, when you think about God's wisdom, God's wisdom, as we all know, is infinitely above that of man, and it is upon His wisdom that we rely upon, and not our own wisdom, because what is our wisdom compared to God's wisdom? Well, we look at several verses, such as Isaiah 55, which talk about God's wisdom. It says there, verses 8 through 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earthly, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, understanding that, it, it's just, could you imagine knowing the mind of God and His infinite wisdom and knowledge? That'd be incredible, just to go inside the mind of God. We obviously know that we cannot know God's will about a matter unless He reveals it to us, because God's thoughts and ways are above ours and might be completely different than our own ways and our own thoughts. But also we look at Jeremiah 10 verses 20 verse 23 it says, "O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps." So Jeremiah basically saying man is not simply wise enough to know how to live apart from God's will. He needs guidance. Now, oftentimes, people will defend some religious practice because 
It simply makes sense to them. In their mind, it's logical. I mean, why shouldn't we be doing it a different way? It makes sense to them. But here's the thing. If our human wisdom accepts something, then really that proves nothing about whether or not God approves of it. I mean, absolutely nothing. In Proverbs 14, 23, uh, 20, uh, 12, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. And so in our lives, we frequently rely on the wisdom of others to make good decisions. For example, you've got all kinds of specialists in the world. You have mechanics, you have painters, you have roofers, you have, uh, we have doctors. We have all these people that we go to because they know more about that specific area than we do, and we rely upon their expertise in, in life. Well, we trust them to make better decisions because, uh, because we lack knowledge and wisdom in those fields. But in terms of religion, God warned us against following human wisdom, and whenever we practice or allow things that are not revealed in the Bible, what we're doing is we're following fallible human wisdom instead of God's infallible wisdom. And we failed to acknowledge God's expertise in all things is what we're doing. Now, let's look at the third reason. Third reason of why all religious authority comes from God and is because of the principle of worship. Now, the purpose of worship is to please and glorify God. And we honor and we respect Him for when we do what he says. Now, we all know what John 4, 24 says. We all know that God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. We know that worship that pleases God must be directed by his truth. But building upon that, John writes in John 17 and 17, he says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And so we know where we could obtain the truth from. But also, we also find that all truth is revealed to us in the gospel. As Peter writes in 2 Peter 1 and 3, he says, As his divine power has given us to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, to the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. And so having understood these things about truth and, 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 and where all, all truth comes from, Every religious practice is based either on one of two things. It's either based on God's authority or it's based on man's authority. Now, if God did not originate a practice, then we can conclude that man must have invented it, therefore making it unacceptable as a means of worship because it's not truth. You know, Matthew 15, 9, as Jesus says there, he says that in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And that's what some people do nowadays. They teach the doctrines of men. So if we do what men say to do instead of what God says to do, it is then impossible to honor and to respect God and worship. And what we think might be worship might just be vanity and just nothing to God. Now, fourth reason that our religious authority comes from God is because of the principle of love. Now, love, when you think about it, it leads us to do what, what pleases the one whom we love. 
because we're motivated to do something towards that being or that individual. Well, biblical love, when we talk about that, it requires that we keep God's commandments. This is where a lot of people do not really understand what love is all about when it comes to loving God. They may proclaim to love God, but let's see what the Bible says about how we do love God. Because 1 John 5, 3 says, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. Also, 2 John 6 says, This is love that we walk according to His commandments. Now, understanding that, to invent unauthorized practices is to show love for men and not love for God because we're not following God's commands. You know, Luke 16, 15 says, And he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts, for what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. So doing what we want to worship, you know, if I may illustrate it this way, it's kind of like a man who who gives a chainsaw to his wife for a birthday simply because that's what he wants. Now, when he does that, does he show love for his wife? Well, no. He doesn't show love for his wife. He's showing love for himself. It's a selfish kind of love. Now, if we love God, we will do only he wants and not what we want. People do what they want because they have a selfish part of them, of what they want. Rather than being an excuse for overlooking what the Bible says, love is actually a reason for doing only what the Bible says and leaving all other things untouched and left alone because where does the truth authorize such a thing? A fifth reason that our religious authority comes from God is because of the principle of faith. Now faith, as we all know, is a visible proof of our assurance uh, in God. And if we are confident in God, we will seek to do His will in all things. After all, when we look to Hebrews chapter 11, it says in verse 6, But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. And so, we must seek to please Him. And we do that by faith. But, when we, what is our faith based upon, though? Well, we know that our faith is based upon God's Word. We know Romans 10, 17, so then faith comes by hearing. And hearing what? Hearing by the Word of God. Now also, look at Proverbs 3, and, uh, verses 5 through 7 here. 5 through 6, rather. It tells us to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. So now we get back to the source of where our guidance comes from. Now, to follow man-made doctrines is therefore to put our faith in man instead of putting our faith wholly in God. It is impossible to practice anything by faith if it cannot be found or authorized by the Bible. People who practice things that they cannot find in the Bible, they're not putting their trust fully in God. Instead, they put their faith in the wisdom of men. And to walk by faith, it actually requires us to restrict ourselves to do only what God has revealed for all mankind. Now, there's a sixth and final reason here 
of why all religious authority comes from God, and it's because of the principle of authority. Now, the lordship of God alone, it requires that we do everything according to his authority. You know, Colossians 3, 17 says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And so we see here to act in Jesus' name is really to submit to his authority because we look to him for authority. We look to him for guidance. Now, to do things that differ from what God has said to do is really to fail to abide by his authority, his due authority. You know, 2 John 9 says, Whoever transgresses and, and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. So we have two sides of the coin here. We either abide or don't abide, but there are consequences if we don't abide. In Galatians 1.8, we find that the Apostle Paul said that even if we or an angel from heaven preaching the gospel to you, then what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. And so from just these few verses alone, as our ultimate authority, we are required. It's not an option. We are required to obey God. Now, I want to say this at this point when we're talking about this principle of authority. You know, when we study a practice, we should never have the logic or never have in mind when we're studying something from the Bible of saying, you know, where does God say not to do this? Because when you build, when you build uh, like a practice or when you're studying something with that logic, you then become to, uh, to rely upon shaky ground. But rather, when you study something, you need to ask the question, where does God's word authorize such a thing or act or practice? Where can I find in the Bible that we can do this? We need to have that kind of understanding when studying such things. Had God specifically itemized all the things that he did not want us to do, I mean, would you imagine how huge the Bible would be? It'd be enormous. But instead, God tells us what he does want us to do, and everything else is not authorized and unacceptable. Now, having demonstrated through the principles of ownership, wisdom, love, faith, and, and uh, worship, and authority that all religious authority comes from God, I want to take a quick look at how his, may, his will is made known to us today. You know, we look back to the time of Jesus. Jesus prepared the way for New Testament Christianity when he, at that time, revealed God's will to man. It says in Hebrews 1, verses 1 through 2, it tells us that God, who at various times and in various ways, spoke in time past by the, uh, to the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken to us by how? By his Son. By his Son. We also find in Matthew 28 18 that Jesus, he possessed this authority when he reveals that all authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. And not only that, but as he's revealing his will or God's will unto us, as he does have this authority, we also find in Ephesians 1 and verse 23 
that he has authority over the church because it says, and he had put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. And so Jesus has established himself as having this type of authority to reveal God's will unto us. Now, in the addition of the teachings of Jesus, it doesn't stop there because we look to other scripture as they reveal God's will to man as well. You know, you look at John 16, 13. It says, uh, we find that Jesus promised the men who penned the New Testament that the Spirit would guide them into all truth. Because it says, however, when, you, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He, uh, he hears, He will speak, and He will tell you things to come. So we must realize that the other men of the, of the, uh, of the Bible... Paul or Peter or James, John, Matthew, Mark, all those other guys didn't write whatever they wanted to write. They were guided, they were directed by way of the Holy Spirit who received his message from the Almighty God. It wasn't something that it was just their own opinion about, or the Holy Spirit's opinion about. Now, we also see about the teachings of the New Testament at what Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. We find all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Note that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the mind of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And then we find 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were what? As they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Not moved by their own emotion, but by the Holy Spirit. You know, it's easy to see that God has recorded His will in the Bible to guide our lives. You know, you look at John 16, 13. The Holy Spirit revealed all truth to the apostles. Acts 20 and 20, Paul preached the whole counsel of God. Second Peter, we find that in Peter's lifetime, people, people received all things that pertain to life and godliness. James 1, 25, uh, 25, we find that the word of truth is the perfect law of liberty. Just from these statements alone and from other scriptures, we do not need to seek other revelation. It's already been revealed to us. And from it, we can learn that which pleases God and that which leads to eternal salvation. And so, having gone over why all religious authority comes from God and how His will is made known to us, I'd like to take a few practical, look at, uh, a few practical applications when it comes to demonstrating the need for biblical authority. We go back to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis 6 and 14, we find that God told Noah to make an ark of gopher wood. Now, when he mentions gopher wood, you think of other materials, metal or pine or walnut or any other material. It did not fit the description of gopher wood. Now, God did not expressly say not to use them, but... They would have been wrong because he said, use gopher wood and was silent about all other materials. Now, 
Had God wanted to leave Noah free to use any kind of material, he could have simply said to make an ark and specified no material at all. And in that situation, Noah could have chosen any kind of material. But once God specified a material, Noah was left with no other choice but that material. Now, in contrast, God said to make an ark. Now, Noah could have used a hammer, he could use a saw, he could use an ox cart to carry the wood, he could use all kinds of tools to aid him in making and building the ark. None of these things are mentioned, but they would have been acceptable because Noah would have still been following the command to make the ark. Now, having said that, let's bring it a little bit closer to home now and talk about some things in worship. In Ephesians 5.19, we're told to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, making melody in our hearts to the Lord. And everywhere in the New Testament passage that mentions music in worship, it says to sing. To sing. Nowhere does God ever say to play on instruments. Now, to play on instruments, then, would fall outside the meaning of what God has said to do. Then now the fact that God expressly said to sing, but nowhere says to play instruments, shows that they're displeasing. But, you know, you may have had someone, you know, argue this to you. Someone may say, well, the piano that we have, all it is is just an aid to the singing. The guitar, what other, whatever other instruments they use, all, all they are just to help you sing. Well, no. A piano is an aid to playing. Just as a guitar or drums would be, and playing is a different kind of music than singing, just like the pine is different from gopher wood with the ark. The piano is unauthorized because when we use it, we are doing something different from what God has said and authorized to do. On the other hand, if we sing songs that we find in the songbook and read the notes to help us follow a melody, we are still doing what God said. We are singing and we are making melody in our hearts. And the songbook, all it is, is just a legitimate aid in our song service unto Him. You know, you, you, another factor that we can look at, we find, is the collection. And in, in 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 and 2, God sent for the church to obtain funds by taking up a collection on the first day of the week, and each person is to give according to their prosperity. Now, nowhere did he say for churches to have rummage sales or to have bake sales or to operate businesses such as having a Bible bookstore or putting out a coffee cart out in front to make a profit for the Lord's church. To do these would be different from what he said. Likewise, to take up collections on some other day of the week would also be different from what God had specified. We may not, uh, he may not have expressly said not to do these things, not to take up collection on Wednesday or Thursday or whatever other day of the week. But when he said to take up collections on the first day of the week, then we can know that to do otherwise would displease him. Now, on the other hand, God said the first day of the week, but no particular time is mentioned, nor does he mention at what part of the service or what type of aids you can have. He didn't mention to have it at the beginning of worship, at the, in the middle of worship, or towards the end of worship. He didn't say any of that. He just said on the first day of the week. 
Now, if we were to take a collection at the beginning of, uh, of Sunday services uh, and with whatever type of container, whether it be a basket, whether it be a bag, or whatever you could think of, you know, those are, they would, we would still be doing what God says because all these things are, are just legitimate aids in what God has commanded for us to do. Now, our last illustration tonight, or this afternoon, is that of the Lord's Supper. Now, we find that Jesus instituted this in Matthew 26, and we also find in Acts 20 and 7 that we find the church was told to partake of the, on the, of the Lord's Supper on the first day of the week following the example that Jesus had demonstrated. Now, to have the supper on some other day of the week or to change the example that Jesus left, it would simply be doing different from what Jesus had said. Likewise, to add any other types of food or to change the loaf of unleavened bread or the fruit of the vine to other things would also be, do, be doing different from what Jesus had said as well. You know, God specified bread, and God specified the fruit of the vine. And, he, and uh, to do otherwise will displease him, as surely using pine wood for the ark would have been displeasing to God. Now, on the other hand, the size of the table, or the cloths to cover them, or using a plate to hold the bread, it doesn't change the example left by Jesus, nor does it change the command by which we are given. These are simply legitimate aids to observing the Lord's Supper. Now, in conclusion this afternoon, when we understand the Bible principles, we realize that many religious practices are wrong, even though they may not be expressly forbidden. But at the same time, there are practices that are right, even though they are not expressly mentioned either. But whether a practice is right or wrong, or whether it is, a, a, whether it is a tool or not, or a legitimate aid, is determined by whether it falls inside or outside the meaning of God's terms of which he has instructed us. When we practice that which we cannot find in God's word, what we do is we walk in the counsel of our own hearts. We fail to honor God as our owner. We fail to honor Jesus as the head of the church. We fail to truly love and trust God. We fail to worship God in truth. We fail to respect the wisdom and authority of God. And just like that ship at the sea, until we change course, we're heading for destruction. Now I don't say these things here this afternoon because I think there's some things wrong here in the congregation, certainly not. But it reestablishes why we do what we do. It's not like the, the members here got together when this church was, where this congregation was established and said that we're gonna do it this way, simply because this is the way, the best way that we think would be the most uh, uh, worshipful unto the Lord. It's, it, that didn't happen at this place. The reason why we do the things that what we do is because these are the things that we find authorized in God's word and we're going to do what God tells us to do and no other means by our own infallible wisdom or, or fallible wisdom that we're going to do these things. It all goes back to God's word. That's the standard. And if only denominations could realize that.
We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. Our service times are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 730 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.